Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm your chief lounge lizard and your host for this episode of the show, John Breeden. Please insert a quarter to continue because today we are talking about arcade games. So I expect all of you to give me your best berserker impression of a coin detected in pocket. <laughs> you suck, man. <laughs> what? That's terrible. <laughs> I was so ready to deliver that line. <laughs> Sorry, you still can. Uh, but uh, today, guys, uh, in the lounge, we have uh, three people who have spent an awful lot of their lives in arcades. Uh, we have Nate Woolley, who is our publisher and uh, resident... Uh, wise guy, I don't want to say old guy, old guy. but he uh, he's going to talk a little bit about the early days of going down to the arcade with a fistful of quarters to play. I guess I don't know Space Invaders or something. <laughs> I go back. I go back to when Space Invaders was released. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And then uh, we also have Todd Hargosh. Todd, uh, welcome to the lounge today. I know you go to a lot of the modern arcades like uh, Dave and Buster's and some of the some of the other ones that I ha- I hadn't heard of, but I know you you frequent them. So I. I want to get a little bit from you what the the modern arcades are like and what they can offer that obviously the older ones couldn't. So thanks for joining us today, Todd. No problem. Uh, there's not many, as many arcades as you think anymore. Well, no, I know they're dwindling. I know they're dwindling. So well, you'll have to let us know about the, some of the cool ones that you found. And then we also have Kelly Adams. Kelly is the uh, our, our host of our other show, uh, the, the Gamer Geeks, and she wasn't as much of a geek back then, growing up as she was to, as she is today. But uh, she still was able to sneak sneak her way, even though apparently you didn't have an arcade growing up because you grew up, I don't know, in the middle of a farm in Iowa or something. But <laughs> <laughs> not quite that bad. <laughs> but you were able to sneak away and go to like what pizza parlors and things like that to find arcade. Well, yeah, when we get to the pizza joint. And stuff. Anytime they had a game, and oh, of course, I mean, my big memory is the roller rink. <laughs> wow, hard to argue with that. Hard to argue with that. <laughs> the roller, the roller rink. There, we could do a show on roller rinks if we want to talk about something that's dead. <laughs> so arcades, hey, they're at least doing better than most roller rinks, I would guess. <laughs> so Nate, uh, I wanted to start with you. I know that you recently went to uh, Disney World. I did, and uh, I have been there many times myself. Not not too recently, uh, but growing up, I, I would go there. And uh, one of the fun things that I used to like doing there was they have a penny arcade exhibit where you actually pay a penny or some of the some of the premium games you have to pay a nickel for, and uh, you get to. I know it's an outrage. <laughs> And you get to play like I remember my favorite one was this Moon Lander game where it was kind of like the everybody knows the Moon Lander game on the computer. Well, this was like a Moon Lander game except you had an actual physical Moon Lander attached to a string and you tried to guide it you tried to guide it down onto a physical a moon and have it land in the right hole, and it was good. I must have spent a dollar there, which is like you know a hundred tries. So just like the modern game, I believe the old one cheated. So I don't, I don't. Know. Oh, of course it did. You just suck. <laughs> but Nate, I know you don't go qu- go back quite that far, but you spent a lot of time in arcades growing up. We're talking about like the 1970s, is that right? That's right. That's right. I started playing video games about 78 or 79. You can tell those of you uh, out there in listener land paying attention to my voice, that uh, I have a lot of L.A. in my background. And that's where I was a boy playing uh, 
video games at various, you know, arcades, the pier, you know, the horseshoe, Shakey's Pizza, Old Town Mall. As a matter of fact, I think I even mentioned Old Town Mall in my bio on the website. Hmm. So, you know, it was fun. I, I can remember the first time I ever saw Pac-Man. It was this arcade under the Horseshoe Pier in Redondo Beach. And somebody was playing it, and there was a big crowd gathered around, and nobody knew what was going. And the guy mis, you know, misunderstood how many tries he had, so he just abandoned a game. And there was one, you know, life left. And I went in there, and I lasted like, you know, ten seconds. And some ghost ate me, and I'm like, well, that was weird. <laughs> wow, that's that's quite an experience. So, so how did that translate into uh, you hanging out there all the time? <laughs> I spent a lot of time in arcades in the late 70s and the early 80s, um, particularly, as I said, Old Town Mall, the Sega Center, but there was also one in Plaza del Amo just up the street from me, and every little pizza joint fast food place in 7-Eleven had two or three of them. I can remember on Hawthorne, just up, uh, just not too far from our place, there was actually a display room where you could go in and buy them. And we just used to hang out there just to see what new ones would be released. And then we'd run off to the Shakies or something and see if they had them. Wow, you could actually buy the arcades, the brand new arcade machine. And, I, and it was 1970, yeah. so what was it, like $200 or something? <laughs> I think I think they cost about $800. Wow, that's a lot. This, that was cheap back then. This would have been... Uh, this would have been about 1980, give or take. Now, I would have I would have been 12 or something ridiculous like. Now, that. Nate, the traditional arcade, like the one under the Horseshoe Pier that you talk about, what, what what did it look like? I mean, we you know you read Wikipedia and they talk about how they're these dark and smoky rooms and everything. I mean, what what did the arcades look like back then? The ones I'm talking about now. Bear in mind, this is L.A. where things are not. This is middle class L.A. where things are not allowed to be dark and smoky and dangerous. <laughs> right. Because in L.A., it must be perfect or it's destroyed. But under the Horseshoe Pier, they didn't have any space on the pier itself. So what they did, uh, I guess the owners or some entrepreneur or something, put rubber tarps down under the pier where the sand was and put little platforms for the game. So we're really just wandering around in flip-flops and shorts, feeding quarters into these things while a couple of guys, you know, handed out quarters and ran the change machine. Holy crap. That was awesome. You're telling me that you were actually under the pier on the beach. I thought it was like a store or something. That's crazy. No, no, no. It's under the Horseshoe Pier. Burned down, God, 10, 13 years ago, something like that. I, I mean, it was it was cool enough that it made the, the nightly news when it burned down. But some of the others, like the ones at Del Amo or the Sega Center at Old Town Mall, those were huge, gleaming expanses of games. I mean, just... Enormous. We're not talking Walmart sized here, but you know we're talking, you know, half a Kmart or something. Wow. The the one at Plaza del Amo, for that matter, also had bumper cars in it. (laughs) I got whiplash on it once. (laughs) Very cool. Well, it sounds like uh, growing up. Now, was the what was it? Was the thrill of the arcade for you, Nate? Was it just the games, or was there a social aspect to it? Did you and your friends go down to the arcade and spend the day, or? Oh, we certainly did. We skipped school all the time to head out there. I mean, it was junior high. Who cares? <laughs> um, sorry, sorry, kids. Go to school. It's good for Drink you. Drink your milk. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, me and my friends, Mike, Joel, those guys, we used to, uh, you know, just skip out and we'd get, you know, a buck and a quarter for lunch money or something, and that's what we would do. Dang. We'd go and do that instead. And, you know, five games doesn't carry you very far, so half the time was just, you know, screwing around with your friends, being, you know, 
junior high school boys. Very cool. Well, at least it was cool you had a, a place like that to hang out, or it sounds like several places. Yeah, it's it's not like we were, you know, doing the mean streets or anything. <laughs> the mean streets of, of middle-class oh. L.A. <laughs> yeah, the mean streets of Redondo Beach, you know, good luck. <laughs> well, uh, Todd and, and Kelly, you guys weren't quite as fortunate where you grew up in, in terms of arcade uh proliferation uh, is is that right so let me uh, let me ask you Todd so where did where did you first uh, find your arcade bliss uh primarily I think it was in department stores oh really I remember, we, I remember on, uh, back in 1981 first uh, game I really played was Space Invaders it was a department store called Hex mm-hmm. oh that's what I was going to say yeah Hex <laughs> <laughs> and, and in Cumberland Maryland which is about 15 miles from where I lived there was another department store called Hills that had Pac-Man and a couple other games, yeah. and that was yeah. one of the highlights of going there. Wow! So a department store, man. I hated going to department stores when I was growing up. I mean, I can't believe you guys had arcades in them. That was cool. Yeah, I, it wasn't only that. It was also not just a, after I got done playing there, I'd go over to the electronics area and play with the ColecoVision. <laughs> okay, that's a chance I'd ever get to see that game in action. Now, in the department stores, Todd, were, were were there was was the arcade? Do you think the arcades were basically set up so the kids would play and the parents Parents could go off and be free. I mean, were there other kids that were hang out there? Or? Yeah, pretty much. I'm trying to remember. I was only like about eight years old at the time. Right, right. I got you. Now, but I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, most of the, like kids that hung out there. I also also played a lot of, when we went to go get groceries at Safeway. I used to play Jungle Hunt there all the time. Oh, good old Jungle Hunt. Yeah. Actually, I forgot it was Jungle King because it got turned to Jungle Hunt after a dispute over the. Uh, Right, the holders of the Tarzan franchise. Oh, okay, okay. So they had to change the character. <laughs> That's cool. So, so Kelly, now you, I think you were even one one level removed from Todd. So, what was it like growing up in the middle of uh, an, an Iowa farm? <laughs> yeah, middle BFE. Basically. <laughs> Literally, it was thirty minutes. It's about a thirty minute drive into Huntington from where I was raised. Wow. So, I mean, in the local pizza places, the real immediate ones, they might have some pinball machines, but that was about it. They didn't have any of the actual, like, Pac-Man and stuff like that, the asteroids and space invaders and stuff I got into. So, you know, I mean, I've, never seen, I've never seen a pizza place have pinball machines. Arcade games. You yeah. haven't? No. The ones I've been to? The, the, the world, bigger ones. Yeah, the, the world is simply... The world is simply different from when I was a kid. <laughs> well, well, I know, I know, pinball, the the whole pinball versus arcade uh, conflict, which is, I mean, it's not so much these days because you know who can find e- very many of either one. But, but at the time, there was there were pinball people and there were there were video game people, and they they didn't like get along. And I think one of the reasons was because you had a place like a, a Shakey's Pizza that had space for like two two systems. So whether it was pinball machines or arcade machines, you know, was a big deal because you're only going to get two, maybe one of each. <laughs> See, I, I'm telling you again, just to highlight the the difference. The sh- two things. Each of those malls I told you about, Del Amo and Old Town, had an entire bank of new pinball machines. Every one. I mean, they probably had 20 or 30 of them. And the Shakey's Pizza I used to hang out at next to the Warehouse Records, to give a shout, um, <laughs> had an entire room built on the back that was all pinball and video games. Wow. Man. So it wasn't 10. It wasn't two. They had like 10 sets. Nice. You know, Very nice. I, I have trouble, and I think I, I think I'm having trouble articulating this to you guys, much less our listeners. Just how prevalent in LA, in 
the late seventies and early eighties video games were. I'm not kidding when I said the the local Seven Eleven near my house used to have them. The McDonald's used to have them. The Taco Bells used to have one or two. They were licensed to print money from the kids in L.A. Wow, no, nothing like that for me. I don't know about you and Kelly and Todd. <laughs> and not and, until they uh, built the arcade in our mall back in like 1982, 1983. Okay, well, actually, I want to go into that um, moving out of the 70s, which apparently was Nirvana out in L.A., and moving into, say, the 80s, which is when... L.A. is Nirvana now, baby. Oh, I don't know. I've been there a few times. <laughs> I, I have differing opinions about L.A., but anyway, no offense to our L.A. fans. It's just not exactly for me. Uh, but moving into the 1980s, uh, that's when I really started to get to, to play. Because, and like, I think what Kelly and Todd are going to say is, is, is that that was really when they probably started to really get into it. That's when the mall had a place called Fun Factory for me, and it was a two-level arcade, and it had all the modern games plus a lot of the old games, and I would spend a lot of money and a lot of time in there. So, so Todd, was that really when you started to actually be able to get into arcades? Yeah, it was about 84, 85 when I really started going on almost on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Dream Machine at Country Club Mall that I went to all the time. And I, I guess I could consider it a two-tier arcade as well. Um, I, I used to go there just to see all the new stuff that came out. Looked, I mean, I didn't really care much for the social factor. I just cared to see what what games were new, what what, what caught my interest. It also helped that back in 1983, there was an old game show called Starcade that used mm-hmm. to show off all the new, new arcade games. Was it a competition or was it just, hey, this is a new game? It was, it was a competition. It's sort of like what um, – it's kind of like the uh, competitions you see today. They had, they had kids uh, answering questions, and they go off to play one of, a choice of one of five different games. Oh, wow. And yeah, That um, had to be on cable. It was on TBS. No, no. See? Ding, bingo. Didn't get that. <laughs> or what, what used to be WTBS in Atlanta, but – and once I sit, so I saw that, then I went to the arcades and saw like the first game I played. The Dream Machine was Zebius, mm-hmm. which I knew from the show that in Time Pilot. Over the weeks, I started writing down the names of all these different games that were coming out, and um, when I get there, I wanted to play them. Biggest surprise when we got Star Wars. Oh yeah, that was a that was a classic. They, yeah, they showed the arcade version, which is the stand-up model. The one that my that my mall had though was the uh, cockpit version. Yeah, the cockpit version is the best. I, I I when when Nate took me to the first Videotopia uh, when it was out in Tyson's Corner, I, I think I spent most of my time in the sit down version of uh, Star Wars. That was awesome game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a classic. So so Kelly, in the eighties, were you were you able to find an arcade then yet? <laughs> yeah, they, that's when our mall was constructed. The mall that still exists. And my mom worked at Sears, and she got relocated, of course, to when the store moved to the new Sears store. So I went to work with mom, and I became an official mall rat. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. In in the summertime, I was up at the mall all the time, and we did have an arcade. I can't remember the name of it, but I know it still exists. It was bought out. The original one shut down, and it was bought out. Now it's a tilt. Oh, that's the name of it, tilt? Yeah, it's really nice. I mean, they got a lot of games, but even back then, I mean, I loved it. They, which they still today have skee ball. Oh, and I'm like, I'm like that. I love that. I don't know why it's something simple, but it, I really like it. 
<laughs> now, I want to get into a little bit about what, what happened to the arcades and why there are so few of them today. But the first, but before I do that, I wanted to ask Todd about, there are some surviving arcades in the modern era. There are places like Dave and Buster's. And Todd, I know you go to Dave and Buster's a lot. So, so what, what, uh, how many modern arcades do you know of? And, and how is a, an arcade like a Dave and Buster's different from, say, the, the, the mall type arcades of the 80s that you, me, and Kelly got to experience? Well, really, the only arcade that I know still exists is down down at Springfield Mall. That's a uh, Time Out, which is a Namco-themed uh, arcade, so they don't have all their games. Mm-hmm. But mostly they started to build more towards what, what were known as redemption games, where you actually win tickets to to buy free or to win free stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'd say what the difference is between an arcade like that and a, and a Dave and Buster's or a GameWorks is that regular arcades are just designed for playing games. Mm-hmm. Dave and Buster's and GameWorks, I mean, it's not just playing games. You can go to, go to the bar, get some drinks, get some food at the restaurant, watch sporting events at their bar. I mean, it's a multi-entertainment experience as opposed to a, as a, the standard mall arcade. Right, and I think that – do you think that that was probably done because, like you say, you only know one true arcade in the area that's left? Do you think that – I guess arcade games can't really – I mean, arcades on their own really have a tough time just being – viable commercially so but they can exist still as a component to a lot of other things drinks and and food and sports events and things like that exactly normal arcades can compete with the consoles right and that's one of the that's one of the biggest factors of why arcades were going down right now i know that was probably one of the biggest things i if, if you look at like some of the some of the um histories of arcade games like if you go to wikipedia and you look up arcade game history one of the things that they say the reasons arcades went went south was because they were these dark and seedy places that that were unsafe for kids and things like that but i i don't i don't really think especially from nate's description of what they were like it doesn't sound like there were too many of them that were that were like that it seems to me more the fact that your console, you know, your Genesis or whatever, could play at some point. Consoles caught up to where anything in the arcade was not even as good as, but probably less good as your experience playing at home. Yeah, it really started with the uh, with the Saturn and the PlayStation. Uh, a good example was the uh, Tekken franchise. It was actually when it came out on the PlayStation One, it was reviewed by. I other critics quote better than arcade perfect, and they just figured, why play? Why waste money playing in this in, in an arcade? You can just play this in front of your twenty inch TV with your friends. Just bring them over to your your room or apartment. Just play it there. And I think Todd is right there. Uh, something gets overlooked when people make that statement about uh, consoles is that you know there were primitive consoles during the whole heyday in the late seventies and. And early 80s. Like the Atari 2600 or the Clicko. The 2600 with the te- in television, all those things. But, uh, you know, those didn't really provide a threat to the idea of the console. But you take the next step, you know, the N64, the first PlayStation, and suddenly those guys are knocking them out. And the, uh, the more ironic thing is there's a website out there called System16.com that actually shows arcade uh, system hardware. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of the more recent ones, they're actually console-based. Case in point, if you've been to Dave & Buster's lately. You know the games like Virtual Cop 3? Okay. It's running on a hardware called Chihiro. Do you know what system it's based on? No. The original Xbox. Really? 
all of Namco systems, uh, starting with the System 11 board, which is what we use for Tekken, PlayStation-based. Hmm. The 246 system, PlayStation 2-based. Whatever they're using for Tekken, th- Tekken 6, I'm not sure the exact model number. It, as far as I can tell, I think it's PlayStation 3-based. So you're basically going to an arcade and paying, well, more than a quarter, probably more like 50 cents or a oh, dollar. Yeah, they've got dollar slots now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, yeah, exactly. To play basically a PlayStation or an Xbox. Or PC. Or PC, right. Because that's yeah. what Sega's latest hardware, the Lindbergh, is. I think there's another one called Aurora that just came out, but Lindbergh is actually based on a Pentium 4 processor. Hmm. Don't with an forget, HD don't, yeah, don't forget the drink beer thing. It can't be stated too heavily that the whole Dave & Buster's sort of modern arcade thing, like they have a Disney or like they have a Dave & Buster's, the games are just a draw. They're a sideshow to get you to buy, you know, $11 sets of wings and overpriced cheap-ass beer and stuff like that. Right. You know, it, it's it's a draw. That's fine. But you're really there to, you know, meet up with girls and, and you know, drink. These are essentially adult places. That's, They're not really places exactly. for kids to go. And you you load up one of those power cards, and you don't know that you just paid three bucks to play that game. Yeah, in fact, that's one of the terms I gave my girlfriend when she went to Dave & Buster's for the first time. I called it Chuggy Cheese for adults. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> that's not really the worst uh, analogy there, Tom. Yeah. No. The only thing they don't have is the big pit where you jump in the balls. <laughs> yes. Or the animatronic characters. <laughs> right, right. But they could if they wanted to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and uh, the Dave and Buster's, the local Dave and Buster's uh, near me, they they put in, um, uh, they they've actually sort of gone backwards a little bit and put in some of the like uh, like if there was a shooting gallery and things like that so from some of the old things trying mm-hmm. trying to bring a little bit of nostalgia in but Nate's completely right I mean the games are more or less a sideshow you go to Dave and Buster's like like when my wife says let's go to Dave and Buster's she doesn't say let's go to Dave and Buster's because she likes the tacos mm-hmm. there she goes to Dave and, so she wants to go to Dave and Buster's because of the games, but what do we end up doing is buying dinner and and drinks and everything else while we're there. So, and suddenly it's cost you a hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> I hope not, but it it does cost. <laughs> so I try, I try to keep it less than that, especially these days. So yeah. so my question then is, uh, what is uh, my my final question for our esteemed panelist is, uh, so what's the future of arcades? Is there a, is there an arcade game future? I mean, uh, what what does the future arcades look like? I mean, and we'll start with uh, let's start with Nate because Nate usually has the most negative of the opinions when I ask about future stuff. <laughs> I hate everyone. <laughs> <laughs> the fact is, I don't see the arcade as it was in the eighties. Surviving, you know that whole concept is gone. If there's a future for it, it's something like Dave and Buster's or the extremely high-end stuff at Disney. The games cost a fortune more to make than they used to, and you've got to charge more to amortize the cost. So that's what we're looking at: various high-end places for you know yuppies or double-income no kids. But in terms of appealing to, to children who are running around in packs, it's not going to happen. And the arcade really – I mean I think, Nate, you, you sort of said this without saying this, but the arcade really has to compete with those console games and things. So it's got to really offer something like uh, like virtual reality or something where you know, you're know you fighting and you're actually fighting with the Wii kind of does this. But but something that's different than what you can get sitting in front of your computer if, if you're going to concentrate just on games. 
I wouldn't disagree with that. Okay. Okay, Kelly, what do you think? What is uh do you think there's going to be arcades around in uh 2012 when the when the rest of the world ends? Oh, <laughs> I see. I I even see the one that exists in our mall. It's I can go in there and be like, "Wow, there's usually only a few people in it." And I wonder how in hell they're affording rental space in that mall. Mm-hmm. But and I really don't see very many of them last. I think the only ones that are going to last is going to be your Game Works and your Dave and Busters, and like the one that's attached to our local pizza chain, Gina's and Pub, and, and that's about it. I think they're going to have to offer the the food and booze to survive. Unfortunately, <laughs> free beer with every play. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they come out in droves for that. Except they all they'd have to do is just do dollar drafts, and that would get them. <laughs> Pretty. You see, you see, it's more likely, John, uh, to be free video game play. You know, charge up your card mm-hmm. when when you buy, you know, a pitcher or something. Right, it goes the that's, other way. That's the way you make it work. Right, because it's not the games that are valuable to the businessman in that situation. It's moving the cheap ass beer that you buy for, you know. A penny a gallon or whatever. It is. Right, I understand. I understand. Todd, what do you what do you think? You're usually the most optimistic, but I I know this well, is a sore area. I would really consider myself optimistic unless I lived in Japan where arcades are still thriving. Yeah, you know, Shella actually, um, and Shella can't be with us today because she is on a two week awesome vacation. I hope she's having a good time. But she another one. Yeah, she goes on more vacations. But she was in uh, Japan and she actually wrote that column and we had pictures from her. And it was like there were there were arcades on like every street corner and mm-hmm. I mean in really huge places. So yeah, you're, I forgot to bring up Japan, but you're right, Todd. Japan is one area where arcades are thriving. Yeah, but here in the States, uh, I think even the one in Springfield is going to fail in a year or so. Really? The only the only place I can see playing arcade games again would be through Videotopia and at the VGX Expo I go through every year. Mm-hmm. Or if I ever get the time and the money, I'd like to take a trip up to Fun Spot in New Hampshire, which has basically become an arcade museum. Oh, okay. Now, what's it's, also, it's like? It was also where they filmed uh, King of Kong. Oh, okay. So they have the Donkey Kong tournament. Okay, and that's a but that's a working arcade though. Yeah, it's a fully functioning arcade. Oh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think maybe we uh, we should we should give a moment of silence to the death of arcades, but not really because we can't have dead air. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a unique moment in history, is what it was, and. You know, give people time; they'll find some way to capitalize on it, and that's what they did. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yay! Nobody's going to complain about having Wii's and 360s and PlayStation 3s and stuff. That's true. That's true. But I don't know. I I still miss it. I still miss sort of the social aspects of going and hanging out with your friends. And there, there was always, let's go see a movie, and then we'll hang out for a couple hours at the arcade. And I don't know it was that's the big one now. The movie theaters are popping the arcade cell front, so you can play the games before mm-hmm. your movie starts. I did. I have seen that, and I didn't. I didn't mm-hmm. think to mention that. But you're right, Kelly. Yeah, I've seen a, and a lot of movie theaters, even some of your smaller theaters, have moderate sized arcades out front. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll survive just in a different form. So anyway, uh, thanks. If, if any of you readers uh, know of an arcade uh, or listeners that have an arcade near you that you'd like to pitch, you'd like to give a shout-out to, send us an email to ginlounge at gameindustry.com, and we would love to hear about it. Maybe we'll send out Todd to check it out <laughs> see where you're at. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, that'd be cool. So uh, let us know. And until next time, we hope that all the games that uh, you play only cost a quarter and come with uh, free beer.
<laughs> <laughs> Don't they all? I, I, I was 13.